On today's Locked on Jayhawks, we preview KU versus Cincinnati Jayhawks looking to bounce back on Big Monday in Allen Fieldhouse. You are Locked on Jayhawks, your daily podcast on the Kansas Jayhawks, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Derek Johnson. You can hear me as well Monday through Friday from 3 to 6 p.m. on KLWN and Lawrence with Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Thanks for making Locked on Jayhawks your first listen every day. We are free and available anywhere that you get your podcasts, including on our YouTube page where you can like and subscribe to the show. We're previewing Kansas versus Cincinnati. Big Monday in Allen Fieldhouse in Lawrence, 8 o'clock tip-off against what's uh, been a pretty good start to the year for Cincinnati after coming over from a smaller league. First, this episode of the show is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed. When you place a $5 bet, visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. We'll start with our top storylines headed into the game. We'll get to our Cincinnati scouting report, then our matchups of the game, and Hawks the Soar players we think can have Big games for KU based on the matchup. Let's start with the storylines. Not a ton here. This isn't a storied rivalry or history, though there is some past fun matchups here and fun little trivia here. Uh, you have the games between Kansas and Cincinnati when Oscar Robertson was at Cincinnati, one of the greatest point guards in just basketball history. And he, uh, I, I believe up until maybe Buddy Heald, I, I can't remember if Heald broke through this or, or somebody else, had the record for most points scored by a player in Allen Fieldhouse or, or a visiting player coming into Allen Fieldhouse. So uh, you have some of that past history from a long time ago. I hope they kind of go over some of that stuff during the broadcast. But this is their first meeting together as conference mates, their first meeting together in the Big 12. Cincinnati joining the league and has had a nice start to the season. You know, when you look at the, the new teams that came in with UCF and BYU and Cincinnati here, uh, obviously Houston, we know they were supposed to be really good and they are. But those other three weren't supposed to be that great this year in the big 12. And at the end of the day, like somebody does have to finish, you know, 11th or 12th in the conference. Like you could be a good team and still finish 12th. And that could still happen. One of these teams, I guess, technically you could just have like four teams tied ninth or something like that. And then technically it's, it's covered that way, but um, somebody does have to finish there and that could still happen to any of these teams. So I think all of them have been pleasant surprises to different variations and different levels about how good they are that you feel like all of them are potential NCAA tournament teams, and that's the case so far with Cincinnati to this point. Now, from KU's perspective, they're trying to bounce back. They're trying to get back onto their winning ways after suffering another big setback on the road in Morgantown against West Virginia. And it was a game that we talked about. You can find it on a previous show. Thank you to Everdayers tuning in to each and every episode with the recap that it was a bad loss for KU in terms of who you lost to, how quality or lack thereof of an opponent you lost to but also it's a bit of a tip the cap type of game because there's almost nothing you could have done with the way West Virginia is playing then again there were some things you could have cleaned up in that game that you know maybe grabbing some of those rebounds maybe you still win the game despite them shooting you know off the charts and so for KU now it becomes pretty prevalent that if you're talking about 13 and 5 winning the league that means from here on they would have to go 10 and 3 and that back 10 of the schedule you know, I, I mean, not even the back 10. Let's just look at their remaining road games. If you have to go 10 and three, you still have to play at Houston. You still have to play at Baylor. You still have to play this upcoming Saturday at Iowa State, right? You still have to play at Kansas State, who beat you last year on the road. There's a lot of tough road environments. And then that doesn't even cover you at home, where, you know, most years you lose max one game at home in Allen Fieldhouse. But with as tough as the Big 12 is this year, 
what if you do lose that even just one game at home in the in Big 12 this year? So it's really tough. You have to find a string together, and KU trying to bounce back becomes imperative, especially moving forward with that game at Iowa State on Saturday because if you lose this one, all of a sudden you're 3-3 three and three headed on the road to, to Ames, Iowa. That would uh, not be so great for KU, to say the least, and uh, kind of stating the obvious. As far as the Cincinnati scouting report, 13-5 and five on the season, 2-3 and three so far in Big 12 play. They're ranked inside the top 35 on Ken Palm to this point, and they've only played for the non-con schedule. It wasn't a great one. Only two top 120 Ken Palm teams in the non-con beat up on a lot of lower competition, and they lost both of their games to top 120 opponents. Both of them were to top 50 opponents, but those were the only 120 teams. Uh, they lost to Xavier. That was a bit of a closer game, rivalry game. And then they lost one to Dayton, which that one they lost by double figures. But turns out, I don't know, Dayton looks really like Dayton might be like a Final Four team this year. It's it's pretty incredible what uh, they've done so far. So uh, not a bad loss at all. And then in Big 12 play, Cincinnati had an 11-point win over BYU. That was a real nice win for them to open. One-point loss to Texas. Three-point loss at Baylor. Four-point overtime win against TCU. And a four-point loss most recently to Oklahoma. But what does that tell you? Obviously, they have the 11-point win. But every other game they have played in Big 12 play has been a four-point or less game, and they haven't been blown out with the exception of the Dayton game. It's hard to blow this team out. They are tough, they're physical, and they crash the boards and, and do a lot of these things. Uh, so that means that maybe you expect a close game. I know the spread is a little bit more than those four points. I, I don't know. Maybe that means you take Cincinnati with the spread in this game. Now, what they do well, they're a stellar rebounding team, top 20 in the country at offensive rebounding rate, top 20 in the country at defensive rebounding rate. They do it by having a lot of athletic wings who go and attack the ball. Their guards attack the ball. They've got a bunch of different centers. Sometimes they play too big basketball, but everybody goes for rebounds. It really is a team effort in how they get them. They've also been solid at not turning the basketball over. Defense overall has been their biggest strength as a team. They're a top 20 Ken Palm adjusted defensive unit, and that's nationally and so far in Big 12 only games, small sample five games, but still they rank third in that defensive efficiency so far. It's kind of comes together in a lot of ways, strong two-point defense, and part of the reason they're a strong two-point defense, they were a really good shot blocking team. Uh, they're great at not fouling despite playing hard and, and physically. They've done a good job avoiding, you know, racking up, giving up free throws to other teams. Uh, obviously, the shot blocking is important and, and kind of becomes an intimidating factor as well. They've been kind of a middling turnover defense on the year, but they have been good at it in Big 12 play. So over the five games in Big 12 play, they've gotten a lot of non-steal turnovers so far in league action, but overall in the season, more middle of the pack at it. As far as what they don't do well, they haven't shot it well in league games. You look at the overall season stats, they're shooting 34% from three. But again, you look at some of those non-con games where they played a lot of bad teams, maybe that just got built up from that. Because so far in their five Big 12 games, they're only shooting 31.6% from three. That said, that almost makes you feel worse if you're a KU fan going into this game. I almost feel like if you're a KU fan, you would love to hear like, oh yeah, they're shooting 38% from three coming into this game because they keep playing teams who are shooting 30, 31, 32% from three, not good three-point shooting teams, and then they just go bonkers like with West Virginia. So yes, I can tell you on paper that's been the case, but that hasn't really helped KU in the past so far this season and, and uh, seemingly a lot of games in past seasons too. But overall, they rank ninth in two-point offense, ninth in three-point offense, and 14th in free throw percentage offense. 
if you're just looking at Big 12 ranks. So bottom half in two-point percentage, three-point percentage, and last in free-throw percentage. They've not shot it well so far in Big 12-only games. They don't get to the free-throw line a ton, and the aftermath of those things is that overall they're ranked 68th by adjusted offensive efficiency on Ken Palm, and they're only 12th of the 14 teams in the Big 12. So basically a much better defensive team than they are an offensive team. They play at a bit, uh, about a middling tempo. Like They'll, they'll go up when they need to. Uh, they'll slow it down when they need to. As far as the personnel, Day Day Thomas, great name there. He's averaging 11 points over three assists, over a steal and a half per game. Only 25% from three, but he can get his own shot at the point guard spot. He'll be spelled by Jizzle James, who's a young freshman, the son of Edron James, the former NFL Colts running back. And uh, what a name that is, Jizzle James. He's a microwave scorer off the bench. And he also will occupy the, the point. And the two of them combined to get over 18 points per game. So you're getting a lot of scoring production from the, the basically point guard spot for Cincinnati. They've kind of got solid length all throughout the wing. Now they'll play two big basketball for a lot of times. But otherwise, they'll be playing wings at two through four. Six, five, John Newman mostly plays the, th the two. He's averaging over nine points, five rebounds a game. He's one of those low volume but high efficiency shooters that he'll hit open shots at a high rate. Six foot six, Dan Skillings. Is averaging 11 points, six rebounds. He's shooting a little over 30% from three, 43% uh, from the field. You have six foot eight, Simus Lukosius, a transfer from, I believe, Butler. He was somebody that I think we chronicled in the offseason as maybe a possible target for KU. He's a good shooter, nine and a half points, three rebounds, three assists, 36% from three. And that's on a team high 83 three-point attempts so he's getting off a good amount per game and then you have six seven josh reed he's more of the glue guy type doesn't score a lot but he's a really good defender he'll rebound a little bit for you do the dirty work so they'll play all those guys some mix of playing the two through four they also have cj frederick who's an experienced former iowa kentucky a good three-point shooter floor spacer he's been hurt lately i don't know what his status is going to be coming in this game i'm kind of leaning toward the expectation he's not going to play but that would be uh, one other one to watch they will use some of those wings at the four like i said primarily it's too big basketball victor lakin at six foot 11 i would argue is their best player he'll play some four he'll play some five he's averaging over 13 points seven and a half rebounds over two assists so good passer and a block per game while shooting 54 percent from the field and about 33 percent from three-point range he can get it done in a lot of different areas on the floor really excellent player so far the other uh, bigs when they're playing Lakin at the four and they're moving one of these guys to the five is seven footer Aziz Ben Bendago Bendogo. Um, he's a transfer who was averaging like a double double, I believe, at Utah Valley. Came in, he's been a good finisher at the rim. He'll throw down dunks, uh, good rim runner, good shot blocker, really good rebounder. He's getting about eight and eight over a block per game so far. And then Jamil Reynolds, somebody who KU was actually kind of, uh, I think maybe had like a visit with or a meeting over the course of the offseason. He's a one of those big bowling ball centers, six foot 11, 275 pounds, but large human, tough to, to keep out of the lane. But he's got that great touch around the rim. He can shoot threes a little bit. So they've got that kind of center. Uh, they can go with the, the big strength guy. They can go with the lengthy guy, uh, depending what they want to do. Or they can go with the skilled guy if they want to play Lakin at the five. There's a lot of different things that they can do. It's a very talented, skilled uh, basketball team in Cincinnati. Let's get to our matchups of the game. And then our Hawks the Soar on this episode of Locked on Jayhawks.
First, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. The NFL regular season is wrapping up, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get 150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's 150 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is so easy to use, and there's so many different ways you can bet, like live same-game parlays. Why You can uh, find, if you're having trouble figuring out what you want to bet, find bets in the new Explore tab. Make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, the best way to find popular heart parlays and more you can get in on some future action uh, if you're still a believer in what kansas can do this season they're now 25 to 1 because some of these recent losses to win the national championship so visit fanduel.com slash locked on make your first bet a layup fanduel official partner of the nfl on to our matchups of the game let's start with our first matchup for kansas and cincinnati on big monday number one grab those defensive rebounds if you're kansas so Cincinnati, good at rebounding basketball on both ends of the floor. But we saw the cost of this in the West Virginia game. And you ended up giving up one of your highest off or, a D, or I guess lowest, uh, we'll just put it that way, lowest defensive rebounding rates of the season KU had in that West Virginia game. And it specifically comes to mind in that key possession with under a minute to go. You're down, but you're about to get the stop and, and get the ball back and, and have a chance to, you know, maybe be down with the ball and, and it be a one possession game. But you keep giving up offensive rebounds and that allows them to stretch it to a two possession lead. It's those key moments that really cost you in the game. As much as they shot lights out in the game and that allowed them to get those opportunities, if you come through with maybe a couple more of those rebounds, you might still win that game in Morgantown, even despite how well they shot the basketball. And so Cincinnati is a tough physical team inside. It's it's pretty crazy how many games Cincinnati has had, you know, 35, 40, 45, 50% of their offensive rebounds, which out of comparison, like that was KU's TCU game at home where they had 48% of their offensive rebounds. Cincinnati does that a lot more uh, typically to this point. But when Cincinnati has a 35% or lower offensive rebounding rate, which that's kind of like what West Virginia was at. So this, this is even like a low mark for Cincinnati, which is crazy. But when you just hold them to 35% or below, they're six and four, which is still a winning record. That's still solid. Again, though, keep in mind some of the bad teams that played in the non-con. And in games where they're, they're, there's a big gap, they haven't had any games between 35 and 40%. So in games where they get 40% or more of their offensive rebounds, they're seven and one. There's a big difference in those two records. They thrive on getting those second chances. And when they haven't shot it well so far in Big 12 play, guess what? They're in the 99th percentile of the country. So one of the best at it at 16.1 second chance points per game, according to CBB analytics, which makes up for over a fifth of their scoring per game. So you got to keep them off those offensive rebounds. From the KU perspective, their nine worst defensive rebound rate games have them six and three. Okay. Also a good record, but the nine best, they're nine and oh. So all three of their losses are in the worst. So far in Big 12-only games, KU's fifth in defensive rebounding rate. Cincinnati's offensive rebounding rate actually has been worse so far in conference-only games than the full scope of things. Maybe that's a good sign for KU, but to me, this is uh, the biggest determining factor coming into the game. Number two, KU forcing steals. Kansas had eight of them against West Virginia. That's a solid number to be at. They're averaging 7.3 per game. That is in the 72nd percentile. So basically in the range where you'd say that's good, but not like elite or not great. Overall, Cincinnati is averaging 11.4 turnovers per game. That's a good number to be at, so they haven't done a lot. But in Big 12-only games, those numbers have seen a big rise, about three extra turnovers per game. In league action, they're averaging 14.2 turnovers per game. That ranks in the 12th percentile per CBB analytics over the last five games. So bad in that span of play. 
KU does average one more point per game off turnovers. Uh, but overall, it's it's pretty even between the two teams. Take advantage of that here, though, because when you look at what Cincinnati does defensively, they have been good at uh, at the rim defense. They've been good at preventing shots at the rim. They've been good at limiting the percentage of shots at the rim. Teams are only shooting 58.8% at the rim against Cincinnati. They're a good shot blocking team. They have a bunch of big men that they can clog the lane. Well, Kansas is shooting 71% at the rim. So something's got to give there. But if they're able to neutralize your strength a little bit with what they do defensively, what's one way to overcome this? Well, it's get out in transition. It's get easy buckets and forcing turnovers, forcing steals, getting out in transition that way is one way that you can do it. And Cincinnati has shown some blood in the water lately that you've got to be a shark and, and go attack it in this game. Number three is the bench battle. Cincinnati is 65th, according to Ken Palm, in the country in bench minutes. So they're deep. They use it. We mentioned a lot of the different guys that, that they play at the wing or the back of point guard or all those different big men that they can come at you with. You know, it's not the deepest team in the country, but they're pretty deep, especially when you compare it to KU. Um, they use it to the tune of 30.1 bench points per game. That ranks in the 96th percentile of the nation. So one of the best bench scoring teams in the country. That said, over their last five games, that's down to just 19 bench points per game. And in the 51st percentile, some more pedestrian. I think part of that, C.J. Frederick being injured, obviously. Part of it, Big 12 play, is a little bit harder. This is not me saying, though, that KU's bench has to outscore Cincinnati's because that's not going to happen. When you just look at the pure volume of the guys who are going to play, the amount of players who are going to play, the amount of minutes that are going to play for Cincinnati, that's not the thing, right? Um, KU's 355th in bench minutes, according to Ken Palm. They average just 14 and a half bench points per game. That's 17th percentile. And if we look at the last five games, even with like Nick Timberlake kind of going off off the bench against West Virginia, KU over the last five games in Big 12 play is only averaging 10.6 bench points per game. That is in the second percentile over the last five games of the country. So you're literally one of the worst at it in the country. This is more that the Jayhawks bench needs to I guess just put up some some flash plays, put up some things that matter because Cincinnati is going to have more bench points. They're going to have more bench minutes. When the KU bench does come on the floor for that limited amount of time, that handful of minutes of Parker Brown, that combined 20 to 30 minutes or whatever you see of Timberlake, Jackson, and McDowell, they have to make some impact plays and at least give you a push to give you something. And the more impact and you can kind of make in a limited sample, the more it's going to equal out what it has been and is a strength for the Bearcats with what their bench is able to do. And when you think about it, this being a big Monday game, you just played on Saturday on the road in Morgantown, one of your furthest places you have to travel away. Second game in three days. Does that bench, does that added depth become more into play in a game like this where some of your starters are tired if you're KU, a little more tired than, than what normally would be, especially with how many big minutes that they play? You know, Could that be a big difference in this game? Can El Marco Jackson have a game where he has, you know, six points off the bench? Can Nick Kimberlake do what he did against West Virginia off the bench? Can you get at least some flashes off the bench this game? Our player matchup is KJ Adams versus Victor Lakin. Now, Lakin will play the five at times. We'll see how KU matches that. We have seen times where, you know, KU's kind of cross-matched in certain ways anyway. But when he's playing at the four, it specifically is KJ Adams. And with how versatile he is, he can space out and shoot. He can get into the post. I think it's going to be a fun matchup with KJ Adams. KJ has a huge role on the defensive side of the floor in this one. And then we saw that, that stretch of play, like four games, where KJ was averaging like double-digit rebounds per game. And that's kind of fallen off here over the last two games, right? So get back to that because we need to see KU be a better rebounding team moving forward to be successful and also oh, going into one of Cincinnati's strengths and one of our matchups here as part of this. We're going to finish up with Hawks to soar. Jayhawks, we think, can have big games for KU on this episode of Locked on Jayhawks.
Uh, finishing up with Hawks to soar. These are players we think are set up to have big games for KU in the game against Cincinnati on a big Monday. I'll say this. When you look at Evan Miakawa's website and it grades offensive BPR, which is Bayesian performance rating, and, and basically it takes a look at how your team does uh, offensively, defensively when you're on the floor. What are you contributing to that? And a bunch of stuff that goes into the rating. Um, Cincinnati's big men are good defenders. Point guards can be good defenders. The, the kind of weak spot so far for them has been on the wings. Newman, Skillings, Lukosius, all guys that have struggled at times on the wings. That would tell you that Kevin McCuller, Johnny Furphy, maybe even a little bit of KJ Adams offensively should be able to win and should be able to have solid scoring games. I think beyond that, you look at Cincinnati, what they give up on the defensive end of the floor. They give up a lot of mid-range shots and above the break three attempts. Now, the mid-range thing, not great for KU. They haven't shot well from mid-range so far this season, although one guy has. And I think that's what's interesting here, above the break threes too. Hunter Dickinson actually leads Kansas in mid-range shot attempts. He's taken 48 of them this year. He's also shooting 52% on mid-range shots. That's really good. That's in the 88th percentile on mid-range shooting. So he's been excellent at it, uh, shooting the mid-range. He's also in the 82nd percentile, is Dickinson, in above-the-break three-point percentage at 41.2%. So he's been really good at above-the-break threes. He's been really good at mid-range. Those are both shots that Cincinnati's comfortable giving up or has given up a lot of so far this season. So I think this is a good game for Hunter Dickinson pick and pops specifically. And when we look at Cincinnati's shot blocking and interior defense, maybe it becomes more about the pick and pop for Hunter Dickinson, and maybe K.J. Adams becomes more of the interior presence in this game. Uh, by the way, you know who else who shoots a lot in both of those zones? Kevin McCuller. He's taken 33 mid-range shots. I believe that's second on KU. He's only 11 of 33 on them, so that's not great. But he is leading KU with two and a half above the break three-point attempts per game, and he's shooting them at a 37.2% clip. So he's been good at the above the break threes. Uh, so final answer, put that all together. Dickinson, add to it. I will say that I think after the West Virginia game, I think there's going to be a more concerted rebounding effort from him. And then Kevin McCuller which I mentioned both of those, which I think makes sense. So really took you for a ride there just to give you KU's two All-American candidates. But I do think they are set up to have good games in this one for KU. Uh, we'll be back for a KU Cincinnati recap on our next episode of Locked on Jayhawks. Still got to get into the Jordan Peterson stuff later this week. And uh, coming up later too, we will get to another preview with the Iowa State game later in the week. This has been Locked on Jayhawks. Find us anywhere you get your podcasts, including on our YouTube page. I'm Derek Johnson. Have a good one. See you.